Hi, this is Megan Callahan, OMS2 at LeeCom. This is Scholar Plus Podcast, gathering people of like minds. Here are our hosts, Michael Rowane, DO, and Bob Hostoffer, DO. Hey, thanks for joining us in this third podcast on osteopathic philosophy. I'm Bob Hostoffer, and I'm joined with Mike Rowane. And glad also, to be back. Yeah, and also Ken Palco, Associate Professor of Philosophy, Notre Dame College, Chair of Arts and Humanity Division. Welcome. Well, thank you for the invitation. I really look forward to our conversation. You know, this is about philosophy, I guess. This is the osteopathic philosophy. We've, we've all grown up as osteopathic physicians, and we've been defined a lot of different ways. One is OMM, just uh, manipulation. But I, there's a deeper part of us. And we all have a hard time getting a grip on this and figuring out who we are. And, and how are we different? Mike, you mentioned this, that you know, people yeah. recognize us. They look at us differently. Well, I think we always get comments. I mean, simple ones always come back to is people say, yeah, you know, you guys are different. But no one is very tangible in describing it. We, we know, we discuss that we have a different philosophical approach. We've done that. And how we approach patients is different. But now we come down to, like, how did this all happen? How do we get this? And what's this unique thing about us? Yeah, that philosophical approach, and and I and I really like to tap your brain there, Ken. And, uh, <laughs> okay, we're good to go, and not literally. I don't. I don't have a, no, no. a spur or a poke here. I'm <laughs> just going to ask you to, you know, can you tell me what's philosophy? Okay, so it's a that's a great question. It's it's a sort of a timeless question. Um, here at Notre Dame College, every student takes not one but two classes in philosophy. So. Um, there's different ways you can understand philosophy. You can understand philosophy as like an academic discipline. In fact, it's you know arguably the oldest academic discipline in the, in our Western culture, going back to ancient Greece. And you 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 hear the philosophers like Socrates and Aristotle and Plato. Um, so there's that component of philosophy, the, the the academic discipline, which all disciplines flow out of. So. Um, at, at one time, if, if you were curious about the world, if you were trying to understand the world around us and, and, uh, and how to be in that world, you were a philosopher. You were a thinker, a philosopher. And then as, as we accumulate more knowledge or information, different subjects kind of branched off from philosophy over time. So you get the, the natural sciences. Um, the Probably one of the most recent um, disciplines that branched off of philosophy was psychology. You know, before the 19th century, study of the mind, that was part of philosophy. Um, I think uh, William James and we were philosophers, and then they established this new discipline that we were calling psychology. Um, in the 20th century, you get in colleges, there's uh, departments of communication and rhetoric. Well, for a long time, that was all also part of philosophy. So academically, philosophy, I mean, we can look at philosophy as like this, this um, mindset, establishing a mindset of of trying to understand the world around us, how we fit into that world, and how are we going to live in that world. And, and what we'll find, and what's 
you know, my students find is that there's not one philosophy. I don't have, you know, we're not teaching a philosophy. We explore different philosophies. So some of the like the some of the biggest differences would be like a a class in Western philosophy versus a class in Eastern philosophy. Two very different approaches to understanding how we uh, fit into the world, how the world works, how you know what is a good life. Um, there's differences, but I think what there's commonalities. Every philosophy, like if you have a philosophical mindset, no matter what your individual tenets are, so you were like showing me some of the tenets of osteopathy. Um, what you're, what they'll have in common is a curiosity. You know, a, a, a philosophical thinker is someone who's curious. They're going to ask questions. They're going to ask questions that are um, oftentimes uncomfortable or unsettling. They make people uncomfortable. They might not want to open up or talk about these certain types of questions. And, and, and that's one of the exciting things in a freshman philosophy class. Oftentimes, uh, we'll have an, uh, an open conversation about, say, religion or politics, very you know divisive topics in our society today. But we learn that we just we don't have to all agree. You know, we, we learn how to debate and put forth an argument and 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 a position. That's interesting. Uh, you know, you you mentioned the eighteen ninety something yeah. around that. Well, that's when AT still was around. So you know, and I I liked what you said about this, how we look at things and how we interact and how we live in this this world and using that's what he did. And he, he he wanted to look, and I'm trying to get a grasp of it, whether, you know, how he looked at medicine. Was it how he looked at medicine? And he sure was talked about. It. He was inquisitive. He asked lots of questions. Every chapter in this thing is a question or a statement. And he made people uncomfortable. We still make people uncomfortable. but you know, well, it's right. Because it's different. You do something different. I think right. it makes people unique. But I think from us, we've been just struggling looking at it and saying we, we know and the, back to the old, you guys are different, but we look and what do we do? And that's instilling that philosophical common thread we seem to have. Is it, is it the kind of people we attract that want to be osteopathic physicians or in our schools? Is it the fact that maybe early on, the fact that we get this added training in osteopathic manual techniques, osteopathic manipulative treatment, that it requires people initially break a barrier because you have to touch another classmate, you know, kind of examine them. And a lot of people, they're very sterile. They're not, you know, you don't, you don't get near each other. And yeah, also you break social distances. Personal distance. space. Yeah. Personal and you, space, and you have yeah. to learn to readapt. Did that change embryologically, like changing how you approach things and doing it? And we're, yeah. we're trying to look at what, but there is a difference. Well, I, I had read a little bit about the founder stills and, and, and what fascinated me, and maybe they should rewrite the history a bit. I, I, he was a great philosopher. He has all the characteristics of a philosopher. Again, um, I mean, there was this, uh, I was reading about how he made an observation that the parts of, uh, was Kansas, which state was he in? The Midwest, Midwest. And he noticed that the parts of the state that kind of were running out these physicians, they didn't want the physicians there. He was observing that the children weren't dying. <laughs> so there's an officer. Okay, why? Why is this? Why is this? Um, you know, and, and, and that, you know, trying to look at the body is not just 
I mean, he understood, I think we, and maybe this is the way modern medicine trains people. You look at the body as a machine. Um, I know I had an operation on my ankle when I was younger in my 20s. And the surgeon, he never looked me in the eye. And I was very disconcerting before that operation. In fact, I almost wanted to change physicians, but everyone was reassuring me, he's the best, he's the best. And then after that operation with the follow-up visits, I asked him that question and I, I told him I almost changed. You know, you never looked me in the eye. And then he, he told me that he didn't want to know me as a person, that when he goes into the operation, that that bone, it's, it's a, he's a carpenter mm. and he's repairing it. And he, he's, so he's looking at that, that specific problem and just fixing that where when I was reading about the founder of this discipline, he might have asked me, you know, what's your diet like? How's your family doing? You know, that, that more holistic approach and as, instead of looking at some, you know, fixing the joint that's not working. Yeah. Like. And maybe that's right. And, you know, I think you're pointing that out. So, you know, the, what he said was the body is a unit. It's all together. You can't divide it up. You can't say, here's the foot, here's the heart, and I'm just going to work on the heart, and I'm not going to look at you. But, you know, you have, to be, you have to engage the individual, right? You have to look them in the eye. You have to talk to them. You have to touch them. You have to, you have to sort of let them talk and let the, you know, and the, the aspect of body, mind, and spirit, right? So they all come together, right? They're all in one place. And, and he also looked at the structure and how function, how they work together in this body unity and how one thing affected the other. And so all those things were, again, Bob said it's a very holistic approach, but that was, it was before the word wholesome was really out and that mind, body, spirit was not common, but he really interjected it because everyone else wanted to be like, I'm looking at just this one thing. And he didn't silo it at all. So is that philosophy? Are we talking philosophy now? Uh, I think we're talking philosophy oh, of see, philosophy yeah. of medicine. Yeah. So, like, it, so the idea of philosophy, like every, you know, when you have these different branches of knowledge, and and when you when you start looking and asking questions that are unanswered, now you're doing philosophy within that dis discipline. So you could you're going to be talking about the philosophy of science, which kind of you know this part of medicine, um, different you know, philosophy of mathematics, the philosophy of education. We can talk about the philosophy of business. There are different um, areas, and, and people are we're not all in agreement. I mean, the questions are the same, um, but we're going to have different answers. Some, some might be good. Some might not be so good. You know, good philosophy, not so good philosophy. Right. So something that right. might be useful, I mean, not so useful. And so, you know, the, the idea that, you know, that you brought up is that, you know, it's not just not the foot. It's, it's the whole body. It's mm -hmm. the whole person. And then my, um, Mike brought up the idea of structure function. So one part binds to the other part and affects all the other parts. So that's cool. And then the other one is that, you know, that the body is capable of self-regulation, self-healing, and health maintenance. So that's philosophy too, right? Well, I mean, yeah, how are you going, you know, how does an individual live their life? You know, what, um, um, how much importance does someone put on for their nutrition, their diet, for example? Um, I know, like, we're, we're, you know, some people are still dealing with COVID and, and, and all the effects this has had. And something that really surprised me for the past two, two and a half years is the fact that 
oh, the world, we were so happy when we discovered the vaccine. Okay, it's over. We're, we're, we're out of the woods. But no one was talking, well, very few people, I shouldn't say no, no one's talking about, well, what does this American diet look like? What does this European diet, you know, the, the obesity problems in our societies, um, how, so that, that's a different approach. You know, yeah, it's easy to get a shot. It takes much more discipline to change how you're living your life okay no more potato chips no more you know and, junk yeah, food and you're right and so it comes on the other side too it's so much easier for a doctor just to give you a shot and walk out of that room and it's easier what easy. you said too you said when you had the one physician who took care of you he said look i'm going to just focus on this but when you have a perspective like still did which started looking at more than that because it takes time to take more interest in a person to start looking at what's going on with them their context themselves and body unity means you're not going to focus on one thing. You know, you are recognizing that one thing affects the other and how you look at it. That takes more time, more energy, more input. But our feeling is obviously biased, but it, it, it's much more richer interaction. I feel like we're connecting with people more. We're, we're helping more. And, and again, we're trying to find, is that just how we are? How do we develop this? Because it's a different approach. So, you know, the idea that, you know, you brought up, you know, Socrates and all these guys. Yeah, these stuff, these yeah. dead guys. And so. Yeah, dead you know. white men. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if, if you if you bring up, how did they pass their philosophy on? What did they do? I mean. Well, they, okay. So, this, I mean, so, so now we're going, we're going to take a history tour. They'll go back to ancient Greece, Athens. Um, so there's a, most people, even if you've never had a formal philosophy class have, has, have heard of um, the individual Socrates, kind of um, very interesting individual. He, 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 was, he had a nickname. He's called the Gadfly of Athens. He, he would spend his days going around the city, the, the, the Agora, like the marketplace. And if he had a question, he would ask people that he thought should have the answer. What is justice? So, well, in ancient Athens, there were judges. You might go up to a judge and, and ask that simple question, just like you're asking me, what is philosophy? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and Socrates would just keep asking questions and pursuing it deeper and deeper. And oftentimes the individual would realize it did reach a point where Oh my gosh! I I can't answer that question. I don't have the answer. And Socrates found that moment very exciting. Um, but oftentimes that was unsettling for people to to, uh, to 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 realize that you don't know what you thought you knew. So is that how you use philosophy then? I mean, you know, maybe maybe it's that. For us as physicians, that we ask those questions that yeah. make you uncomfortable yeah. and get to that point where you don't know. And yeah. maybe we then then we can or, heal, or heal. maybe you take the limitations. I mean, still, he had, yeah. his children died of spinal meningitis. Yeah. He was frustrated with medicine at the time. So he started really pushing, like, what do we need to do? I've got to do something different. This is not working yeah. and pushing it more. Yeah. And maybe that, you know, mm -hmm. was a model. So I even I even get frustrated. I mean, I've been teaching college for almost 30 years, 27, some, 27 28 years. And I, I see this this idea of specialization and separation. It, it's like when we look at the whole individual, yeah, we talk about that mind, body, spirit, but even on a college campus, we separate everything. So 
athletics, the body is over there. There's the coaches, there's the workout room. And then academics is over here. Here's the classroom. Here's the professor. Okay, your mental health, it's over here in the counseling center. Um, we're, we were talking about Socrates. In ancient Athens, um, off, they, they would look at that, that together. So Socrates, for example, he was very much, I mean, we, we think of most of him most of the time today um, in terms of thinking and critical thinking and how do you become a critical thinker. But Socrates, he was also a, a soldier in the Athenian army up until his early 50s. This was not typical. And, and he had been through many battles. It, and and he, he would often do things differently um, than others. And people looked at him very strangely. Like, for example, most soldiers the night before a battle, what do you think they were doing? Praying. <laughs> getting drunk, oh. <laughs> partying. Yeah. You know, Socrates, he would go off into, oftentimes, away from everyone, into a field and just meditate. And there's stories of him spending a day or two just off thinking, preparing his body for battle, preparing his mind for battle. Um, and and so it's really it's it's interesting. I don't. I, I he think takes time to develop. Like in Still's case, he he discovered. He said, you know, it was 1874. He said, I flung the banner of osteopathy. Like I started, but the school yeah. didn't happen until 20 years later, and he had years before that. So obviously, that there's a level of discernment you're describing that must occur to really move to a next level or have a real philosophical basis yeah. that obviously has lasted for millenniums. You yeah, know, and, dis and discipline. I think discipline. This yeah. fellow sounds like he was very disciplined. And um, you know, he, he was a he was a soldier. He fought in the Civil War, war yeah. and then when he came out, he thought, okay, there's got to be something better. You know, and I think that's what he was thinking about. But getting back to my question, okay, these two guys, you know, Aristotle, Socrates, and I don't care whoever, you know, whatever. Oh, you want to be. yeah, they were and, many, many philosophers. Many, 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 okay. many, how how did he propagate that? How did he did 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 people just sit and listen to him? Is it how did he how did he do this? Oh, so this is the, okay. So this is an interesting story because yeah, here we are, you know over 2,500 years later talking about someone and, uh, that Socrates never wrote anything down. He wasn't a big proponent of writing. He believed in kind of oral communication, the give and take of dialogue and conversation. Um, so what, 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 he, he would, what he was doing, um, he, like I said, he would go around the city and he would ask people these questions, oftentimes uncomfortable questions and what started to happen the youth the young people of athens would follow him around just for something to do now there's no television there's no internet hey let's go follow socrates let's see who's gonna piss off today because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes the people would get so upset when they realized they don't know what they thought they knew they would actually hit Socrates or, or break down and start crying. And there's a lot of different reactions. Um, and, and so more and more young people started following him around. And the elite, the powerful and the wealthy in the city, um, some of their children started following Socrates around. And so you, you, can, you can imagine maybe Socrates one day was questioning a slave owner about, you know, owning, you know, what do you think? Is it right to own another human being, to buy and sell people? 
And maybe the young person was listening to Socrates' line of questioning, and then maybe later that day he's home with his father, who happens to own slaves. And he's, Dad, you know, why, why, why do you own slaves? You think that's right? Who's putting these crazy ideas in your Socrates? So Socrates, he was brought up on charges, two charges, one for corrupting the youth of Athens, corrupting the minds of the youth, and then for... Uh, speaking against the gods, because you know, he was asking questions about the myths of the day, the gods, the religion of the day. And both of these were considered very serious charges and punishable by death. And, uh, and so, so was the, yeah, and, and, and so these students, uh, the, I, he wouldn't call them students because he never accepted money. He didn't believe that an individual should have to pay to be educated. On like today's modern, he's not edge. So he refused any payment. Um, but these these young people um, would, who would follow him around after he 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 was he accepted his death sentence. Um, he was given an opportunity to escape. He didn't take the opportunity, um, and and these students wrote down these stories. These, they're called Socratic dialogues. You can read them today. They're still in print. Um, and, and so that's how we remember. So that's yeah. how we remember. And, and, you know, so I, I picked up something that was, it was a matter of attraction. He attracted people to him because of, you know, his, of what he did. And then, um, then not only did he attract, but the, they, they imitated him. Yes, that's, yeah. And, and, and in fact, those Socratic dialogues were used for centuries as a way to introduce people to... It's a very, a lot, of charisma, a lot of charisma, yeah, because charisma. I think Still is one of those people. You know, mm -hmm. they're they're they are game changers. They really have charisma. They've got those leadership qualities. They're, I think they're. It's beyond just you're right. I want to get paid. I want to do these things. It was it was a higher purpose to make it work. So there was this old saying, <clears throat> a long time ago. You know, you know, they said, well, how do you know? You know, a, a rotation is osteopathic, and they would say, well, it, they're being trained by a DO. It was the same thing. It was attraction, imitation. You know, I, I think that's probably what the philosophy, how, how we can train our people, right, mm -hmm. is, is attracting them by how we practice and then them imitating. And, and because I, I, what I'm seeing is that, you know, no one wrote that stuff down. They didn't write. They, they felt, that, like A.T. said, that any, any physician worth his, his, his grain or food should be able to figure this out and should be able to ask appropriate questions to get to the right place to answer the disease or find health. Yeah. He, he wanted to find health. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the health, if you look at a lot of different philosophies, health is, is one of these things that we strive for. You know, when you, talk, when you ask a timeless question, what is a good life? Well, it, it's to live a healthy life. Uh, health and, 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 and happiness, ultimately happiness. Aristotle believed that was the ultimate goal of a life is, is to be happy. And, mm. okay, well, how, how do you do that? Um, and, and part of happiness would involve health. It'd be very, yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine. Maybe you could imagine it, but I think it's much easier to be happy if you in a healthy state. Yeah. And that includes mind and body. Like a, a healthy, positive mindset, and then a healthy body. Well, and, this and, then is, yeah, and this is years before, I mean, you know, Bob's an expert in immunology. He's internationally known with this. But that concept was even around when he came up. But he looked at that body's ability to heal itself and coming from itself and doing it. And that philosophy was 
means you looked at people different. Even had one comment he had that many a patient has lived because a horse carriage of a physician came late. You know, because people are overly interventions in doing things. And he wanted to say, look, stop. The body has ability. Get the body in a better state. Now, that was a whole different way to look at things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, no one can heal yourself other than you. I mean, the, a physician could said. assist, but you ultimately are the one doing the healing, right? No, he dug yeah. into that. You know, he, he went into it. <clears throat> and as an immunologist, you know, there we have this lymphatic system, right? And within this lymphatic system, there's a lot of antibodies, there's a lot of T cells, there's a lot of B cells uh, in there, and they're kind of stuck in this limbo area, and they only move with motion. He developed these pumps to move, move, utilize them to come back out to interact in the, uh, in the lungs or interact with the disease. And so it, it was. He took that philosophy of mind, body, spirit, and, he kind of, and, and the ability to heal itself and dug and looked for that way, and he found it. So um, how, how would I look at the spirit? I mean, he, you know, I, I get the body, I yeah. get the mind, spirit. Well, I think there's obviously different ways to, to look at spirit. Sometimes I think the com a lot of people, when they hear the word spirit, automatically go to religion or a religion or God. or God. I don't know if that's necessary. I think, I think spirit can be looked at... Um, Oh, I think one way to look at spirit is is to look at it as something beyond yourself, like that there's more to the world, there's more to existence than just you. Um, th that is a philosophy, by the way, ego mm. egoism. That yeah. The world revolves around me. Well, <laughs> and, well how about but, if we but look spirit, at the patient that yeah. way? The, the more, there's more to the patient than just the body. Right. Is that there, spirit? I, I think, well, and in the, in the patient, if they're going to, you know, be healthy, I think they have to recognize that there's more to existence than just them, their body, and just and their mind. So there's that connection to the larger the essence of universe. So like your family, let's say you're, you can imagine like a scenario where let's say a, a parent and a child, they, they're in a constant argument of relationship. Um, that's I, I I would imagine that that's going to affect their mental and physical health eventually. Um, so how do you how do you connect with the world beyond yourself? Do you have that 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 healthy spirit? Now that could be like taking a hike in the in nature, maybe you know. Uh, uh, Yoga? So yo, well, yoga? breathe. Yeah, breathe, I, I breathe. think breathing. Yeah. One of the things yeah. I like to do, I, I I actually wake up. I begin every day with breathing exercises. I've been doing it for many many years. Twenty minutes of breathing exercises, and I oftentimes feel that that connects my mind and my body, um, and 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 prepares you prepares you for the day. Um, and, and and it's interesting. It kind of lets you know where you are if something's because. When you're doing these certain types of breathing, and this this is ancient stuff. This is I didn't invent this. This mm. is just ancient stuff. Um, you can get a, a good reading on on your physical state by doing breathing exercises and breath holds and 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 and, and, and stuff nice. like that. Like I I, I realized um, I had had COVID, but I had no symptoms. But that for those couple days. Uh, with my breath holds, they were half the time that I you can you typically hold my breath. So that was like a my 
my body was saying, hey, there's something's not right in here. Um, but I had no physical so, symptoms. So maybe that spirit is awareness. We're, awareness we, we of this larger, yeah. We, we tell the patient, okay, we're going to make you more aware of, of how you can be uh, more deeply understanding what's happening in your body and around your body. Maybe that's part of it. I, I, I would, I, yeah, I would tend to so? agree, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, um, and I think when you have those three working all together, then that's going to help. And that, to and health. That's, and that's philosophy. That's yeah. the unity. That's and, philosophy. And that's philosophy. <laughs> no, is it is that easy? Heck no. no, no that's not no, easy no, to easy. accomplish that. It's much easier. Yeah. Hey doctor, give me a pill. <laughs> <laughs> much easier. Give me a pill, make me happy. But that's the difference. You that know, because we didn't make it easier. We made it harder in a way because we were asking more of someone's their own growth. Because it seemed with even Dr. Socrates, you talked about, I think all these other individuals from the elite came to look at him and all of a sudden they weren't getting the answers from things. They, they, went they, were, they, saw, they saw him as a threat. And, and, and still he's, was a threat. He's questioning the status quo. Because That's what's still. Well, the, the osteopathic profession was considered a cultist organization until the early 60s. It was, it was considered a threat in mainstream medicine until you, today. And we've so assimilated. What, what, do you, what do you think was behind? Like what was it a threat because you were like money threatened? Yeah, money maybe. Okay. It's always you come into a town, you're a DO, and there's an MD. You're threatening is, and you you oh, the, you know it's just yeah. that kind of thing. So, but you know, I, I really think that we've gotten down to a good. We ground down to yeah. the base of this, right? So what we really believe in. We've we've talked about a mind, body, spirit. We talked about uh, structure, function, and uh, self regulation. We I think I understand philosophy a little bit better. Thank you, Ken. I mean, I really think <laughs> I've, well, I've looking gotten at, down. Looking at our, because that's, uh, where, that's our well, quest. Here, we're trying here, to see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. I I, I I tell every class I've been teaching all these years. If if you leave a class more confused than when you began. Pat yourself on the back. Congratulations. Oops. You've succeeded. Why? Because if you are confused, that means you have new questions. You've had questions that you didn't have before. And that means you're thinking. Well, and then you're, you're right. trying to understand things. And now, and that's what philosophy is about. So you've been confused all these years. That's why we're doing good, Bob. There you but, go. And, and I, you know, so I think that's, that's yeah. it. I came out with more clues. We could no. talk here all day yeah. or all night and all year about this <laughs> philosophy. Uh, but uh, I really appreciate uh, all your discussion with us today and, you know, and, oh. and, and Mike and yeah. our interactions on, on, you know, and, and, and also, you know, also the idea of how do we pass it on? It, it's, yeah. it's very it's important. Attraction. It's uh, imitation, uh, it's consistency. It's it's are the, these are things that yeah. we have to be passive. That's what that's what it means to be an osteopathic physician. And why it makes a difference, and why people keep coming back to us and say, "You guys are different," because we have those things that we're looking at, and we're questioning things all the way through. Yeah. Well, you know, I really appreciate all your time, and thanks everyone out there for listening to our podcast, the third one, osteopathic philosophy. And I hope we gave you something. I certainly got a lot out of this. Hope to see you again. Thank you. The Scholar Series, including the Scholar Plus podcast, is co-sponsored by the American Academy of Osteopathy, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, and University Hospitals.